influence of a godly woman is not to be underestimated. Peter makes that point in 1 Peter 3, a chapter we've been focused on recently. We looked at 1 Peter 3, 3 and asked, how much jewelry is too much jewelry? That was last time on Monday in APJ 1834. Earlier, we looked at 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 2, two verses about the husband-wife relationship and how a wife responds to her husband's ongoing sin patterns. That was APJ 1830. And we are back to this theme of a godly woman's influence, uh, especially on her husband, in 1 Peter 3, verses 3 to 4. There's a connection in this verse about a wife's jewelry and her influence on her husband. An interesting connection made by Peter in his epistle and pointed out briefly by Pastor John in Monday's episode, a point expanded on in a sermon clip from a 1986 sermon by John Piper. Here he is to explain. You remember what it says of Sarah in Hebrews 11? Hebrews 11 begins with a definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And all you see through chapter 11 is heroes and heroines who hope in God. For example, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. In other words, we learn from Sarah that women who are holy look away from the frustrations, the miseries, the tragedies, the obstacles of joy in this life to God. And they reckon him faithful and sovereign and powerful and loving and kind and unfailing in his promises. And they strengthen their soul with hope and pick up and go on dirty diapers and all. Loss of husband, divorce, They go on because they hope in God. Not only that, but they are freed from something that tends to make life miserable. Look at verse 6 at the end. And you women are now her children, Sarah's children, if you do right and let nothing terrify you. You want to be a daughter of Sarah? Hope in God and allow that hope to drive fear out. Holy women aren't afraid of things, except one thing, displeasing God. Or let's not overstate the case. Let's be accurate and realistic. Let's say it this way. Holy women who hope in God when fears and anxieties rise, make war on those fears with a weapon of the word until they drive it out and have hope filling them and thus gain strength to get on with life. That's number one in this text. Holy women hope in God and allow no terror to immobilize them in their duties. Second, this hope in God results in a kind of clothing within. It says, so holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. And the adornment is referring back to verses 3 and 4. Let's read it. 
Here's the description of the garment within. Let not yours be the outward adorning with braiding of hair, decoration of gold, and wearing of robes, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable jewel of a gentle and quiet, or we could say a meek and tranquil spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now, why did Peter bring up the issue of clothes and hairstyles and jewelry? Doesn't seem to fit. Let me try to uh, show you why I think he brought it up. I think verses 1 and 2 give us the clue that explain why he brings it up. He has in mind not only Christian wives of Christian husbands, but Christian wives of non-Christian husbands. And he says to them, Likewise, you wives, be submissive to your husbands, so that some, though they do not obey the word, may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives when they see your reverent and chaste behavior. Now, it's Peter's desire that Christian wives live in such a way that unbelieving husbands will be persuaded that God is real. Isn't that an awesome challenge? To so live that the conscience of, of an unbelieving husband will be stricken with guilt. The reality of God, God will shine and he will embrace her God. It's an awesome call for this woman to influence her husband. But he warns them, don't preach at him. You see that? He says, without a word. That's a warning to the wives. Watch out, lest you drive him away by nagging him about religion. Okay? I think verses 3 and 4 are another warning for how not to try to win an unbelieving husband. Namely, don't try to do it with trendy hairstyles, a better tan, delicate jewelry, clinging robes. You might attract him to the bedroom, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you won't attract him to God. And if your goal is to attract him or anybody to God, it's got to be from within. The world can tell you how to attract men to yourself. Only the scriptures can tell you how to attract men to God. And let me insert here, for the single women, that your hope ought to be in God, not in getting a husband, because the only husband worth getting is one who wants to play second fiddle in your life. That was from John Piper's 1986 sermon titled, Holy Women Who Hoped in God, a classic message on biblical femininity. And if you have a sermon clip to share with all of us, email me. Give me your name, hometown, the sermon title, the timestamp of where the clip happens in the audio, and make a note of what stands out to you. Put the word clip in the subject line of an email and send it to me at askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. That's a, an email address. Askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. Well, we've been picking on men recently on the podcast, but who is more sinful, men or women? Now that is a, it's an international question and it's up next time. I'm your host, Tony Reiki. We are rejoined in studio with Pastor John when we return on Friday.
We'll see you then.